This week on A Dash of Grit, you'd think leading your alma mater to success would be a dream come true, but the recession was its own kind of nightmare. Dr. Cy Smith shares his story next. This is A Dash of Grit, recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. Now, podcasting from Spire to leaders in local communities like yours, here is Brian Leflock. Let's get cooking. Our guest today is one of the greatest leaders I think I've ever met as far as uh, being able to uh, combine a, a group of people together onto a mission and to make a big difference in the organization that he leads. He's the superintendent of Mansfield Christian Schools right here in Mansfield, Ohio. Uh, Dr. Cy Smith, it's my pleasure to call you a friend and to thank you uh, for being my guest today on A Dash of Grit. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Thanks for asking. It's a pleasure to be here and happy to help in any way I can. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Smith. We are going to spend some time talking about grit. And what grit is, is the some of the hard work that you had to do to overcome some big challenges. Uh, and, and with a private paid school of choice, there are certain challenges and I know they're big. And so we're going to get into that. First, Dr. Smith, tell me some, some good things, some big picture things about Mansfield Christian Schools that you're really proud of right now. Yeah, I've been around since 1961, as you may or may not know, and I'm the first alum, actually, to serve as a superintendent or a school head or administrator in any capacity. So in that way, organizationally, when it comes tied to the mission, I certainly have a lot of skin in the game, as they say. So I have a passion for the school, and that certainly helps me weather some of those crises since I was kind of born and raised here. So I like to think that the, you know, the Lord put me in this position for such a time as this, uh, so to speak. And so uh, it's a pleasure to do what we're doing. So uh, like many, you know, we've uh, organizations, we've had high and low points throughout these uh, almost 60 years. Uh, but at this point, I think we've weathered a lot of storms and come out uh, on the upside. Uh, for instance, just a few years ago, we started uh, one of only two comprehensive STEM programs in the state of Ohio, K-12 in private Christian schools. Uh, in other words, we're starting science, technology, engineering, and math as low as kindergarten. Wow. We have designated classes and then also integrating that into the curriculum. So that's what makes it comprehensive. And that goes all the way from K to 12. And so, again, we only know of one other private Christian school in the state of Ohio doing something like this. Now, there are other types of parochial schools, and there's certainly some public schools doing some things very, very similar. But in terms of our unique niche in that private Christian uh, schooling program, this is very unique. So it's kind of fascinating. Uh, our kindergartners can explain to you what an aquaponic garden is and how uh, fish, uh, you know, waste is, uh, um, no, I don't know, uh, broken down and then it's uh, mm -hmm. filtered through a system and it's used eventually to grow strawberries and fruits and vegetables. And they do that right in the classroom. So to hear a five-year-old explain that to you is is fantastic. And it's just, a, it's just really great. So that STEM program has been a big feather in our cap and we're really uh, excited for the kids and we're getting then obviously once it's maturing its way through the school, we're getting some of our first graduates now who are really already a sophomore student and senior saying, Hey, engineering is the field for me and I want to go into engineering and they're be accepted at obviously good schools like Ohio state and Cedarville and others that have great engineering programs and are doing these things for some of the first time, you know, post MCS, which is exciting for us because they're hearing that calling and getting that bent, you know, even in high school. And I think that's really where private schools need to be right now is making sure that their kids are really prepared for college, so much so that they really even are already 
understanding this, I think, is where I need to be with regard to a career because college is so expensive. We don't want those kids, uh, you know, one or two years of an undecided major um, at, you know, at, at cost anywhere from thirty to $50,000 a year on average. Uh, families don't have that kind of money for you to be undecided. So as much as you can do in advance in high school and help those kids out and say, listen, you know, let's let you dabble in some medical things now. Let's let you dabble in some engineering things now or ministry or business. You know, those tend to be top majors for our kids. As much as we can introduce that at the high school level and get them prepared for those four, six, eight years, whatever they're going to take of college and grad school, then that's a big win for us. So we're really concentrating now on STEM. Then we're going to turn our attention to the medical fields and make sure these kids are ready for the careers that are most in demand really getting the kids ready to go for what's next and being prepared and starting right at the kindergarten level. Good for you. That's fantastic. So take me back if you would, let's talk a little bit about grit. Things haven't always been this great or perhaps things got tough at one point. Can you remember back to something that just really, really was a trying situation, kept you up at night that you just had to overcome? Right. Not only did it keep me up at night, it actually put me in the hospital for a week. Okay. So, right. You, you, uh, uh, grit comes with its, uh, you know, its seasons of obviously, uh, ups and downs. And, and I guess that's maybe a good thing to mention that you can be, uh, full of grit and be full of conviction and courage and backbone and things like that. Uh, and yet it still takes a toll on you. And, uh, it's not always, you know, um, sun and roses, uh, even the most determined of us. And I like to think of myself uh, as that kind of person, you know, like a lot of leaders. I'm the firstborn type A, very driven, very determined uh, decision-making, you know, that that just seems to come natural to me. You know, every position I've ever, or every uh, experience through life, even in high school, you know, I was always elevated to leadership positions, college, the same thing. And so I seem to have that a little bit in my DNA. But even then, uh, it can wear on you, and you had better uh, be prepared for, for what's coming. I took this position as superintendent in 2008 after I had been high school principal for 12 years prior to that. And you may recall, that was right on the cusp of the recession. Yes. So I had no idea what was uh, going to be facing me. And like most educators, uh, you know, I have three degrees, but none of them are in economics. Uh, you know, you take a few finance and law classes and things like that, but nobody prepares educationally for an economic recession in private education. So the dynamics of that were wide and far uh, reaching to say the least. So uh, I walked into a situation, I think I was only on the job for maybe a year. And then when the economy collapsed, we were kind of facing the perfect storm there uh, for us. We had uh, a significant building debt from a campaign that had just finished in 08, yet we still owed Um, almost $3 million on a building. And we had short-term notes that were due ASAP. I think one in 2009 uh, and then another in 2010. And they were significant six-figure dollar amounts. And we had nothing uh, ready to go for those those short-term notes. So you owed all that money and there was no money coming in because of the recession and and choices and things like that. Exactly. And pledges. I mean, people uh, were not able to fulfill pledges that were, you know, committed in 06, 07 and 08 because they themselves either lost jobs or people moved out of the area. Uh, And so Mm -hmm. the economy went, boy, did that affect our capital campaign and that whole that whole idea, like I said, and I think I've mentioned to you before, we really underestimated our number of parents that were connected to General Motors. 
And so when they left town, literally, obviously, so did those donations and those pledges and things like that. So in many ways, we were really at ground zero left holding the bag for these massive short-term notes. And then, of course, uh, families could no longer afford Christian education, so we lost students. And recruitment then really, really uh, struggled at that time because, you know, people were not excited about spending money for private education all of the sudden, you know, a brand new dollars. We were just hanging on desperately to the students we had, but then we lost GM families and things like that. So all these dynamics together made for a perfect storm that not only, as I, as I said um, uh, to you uh, previously, I wasn't just trying to steer the ship at that point. I was trying to keep the ship from sinking. I mean, it was threatening our very existence. And the banks at that point were not exactly um, uh, negotiator friendly. Uh, they wanted their money because uh, they had a lot of businesses and organizations in that same uh, boat. And so uh, not about to, I mean, we went all over the place looking for alternatives and other avenues and it just wasn't happening. It was clear then that we were going to have to financially come out of this and use every method we possibly could to get very, very creative and figure out how do, we, how do we survive these next two or three years, paying our bills with less enrollment and getting through this and somehow getting better. Because if we don't come out of this better, then we may survive, but organizationally, we're going we're gonna to suffer for years to come. And so, and so I want to hear about what you did to get through that, but I'm really interested in what happened to you. How did that make you feel? You mentioned actually ending up in the hospital. What did this, all that stress do to you? Yeah, yeah, it was very uh, difficult. I mean, it was, I took it very personally because like I said, as an alum, uh, I thought, boy, I just inherited this position. I'm, I'm the superintendent, the school head. Um, I'm bought into this, the, the mission of this organization um, I own it very personally, and this could all go south on my watch. Mm. So I was very distraught, and that kept me up at night. And I did not want to be the guy uh, who was the head of school when uh, this organization that means so much to all of us uh, tanked. And I had all kinds of reasons why I could probably blame others or blame variables that were out of my, outside of my control, but that's not in my nature. Right. Uh, probably not in most leaders' nature when they care that much about the organization. So uh, I was not about uh, to let that happen, and I was convicted enough to, to, to weather the storm. But yes, the stress definitely took its toll on me uh, to the point where, yeah, I was, I was laid up for several days uh, with stomach pains and ulcer-like conditions and things like that where it just gnawed at me. Um, yet I knew I was on the right track. But that doesn't mean it's not without its stressors, and that's just going to happen. We all handle stress in different ways. And giving up wasn't an option. You were going to get it done. Tell me a little bit about what you did. What You, you, you yeah. pulled on the boots and got busy, and, and what'd you do? Yeah, that's exactly right. And I like how you said that giving up was not an option because I really think that, uh, I, I think I read this somewhere, but just the simple conviction explains courage. And I was very convicted that, this was the right thing to do. We have to get through this. I'm not going to let this ship sink on my watch. You know, the Lord will be faithful. We're just going to have to really work, like you said, pull up our boots and get creative, and we're going to have to do something. So I had to muster up some courage. You know, as soon as I got out of the hospital, right back to work. <laughs> I just had to learn a few lessons and, okay, you know, calm down. It's going to be okay. 
but then I immediately started using, you know, I started, uh, what really helped me personally was including then everyone else in the, in the anxieties and the stress, you know, being open, being vulnerable, being transparent with people who I knew cared about me and they cared about my organization and just letting them in on the things that were keeping me up at night and saying, listen, here's the issue. Um, I don't like sharing this with people because it seems a little embarrassing or it seems a little distraught and I don't want people going uh, and talking about this elsewhere and overinflating it. But yet on the other hand, I needed to get that out and let people know, hey, listen, uh, this is dire in some ways, it's concerning and it's really uh, stressful and here's the details. So would you share in this with me? And just opening up and being transparent and vulnerable, even with our parents, I remember we called some town hall meetings, you know, back then and invited everyone to clearly hear where we were at because all organizations were struggling and we were all doing so. I over inflated the sense of surprise. You know, everybody was like, well, yeah, we get it. We're all struggling. The school's probably struggling as well. And I remember being so transparent in those meetings that I got teary eyed a few moments because just the thought of this going a different direction just so overwhelmed me. But then, of course, I was immediately taken aback by the support and the rally that came from our customers. And so your way of showing grit was not to take it all upon yourself and doing more and more and more on your own, but to bring in your team and to trust them and to share some of that grit with them and expect them to go through it with you. And you had built such a team that they were able to do that. And together you were able to build this thing. And, and, and that sometimes I've seen uh, when you hold things in, and you hold it to yourself. This is my responsibility. I've got to get it done. I've got to get it done. You'll fail. That's not grit. That's just selfish. And you shared right. that grit and, and uh, everyone was able to be a part of that. Right. I had to definitely um, uh, swallow your pride is probably too much of a cliche, but definitely had to put some of that aside and say, listen, it can't be all about me. We're in this together. This organization is bigger than me. I need to be transparent and let people into these uh, situations and let them rally. Uh, shared ownership, empowerment, things like that. And so by giving away some of my authority and giving away some of that, you know, um, um, you know, some of those pieces that came with the job title, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that, that, that helped. And it let people in to my world and we all did this together instead of just, oh, I'll, I'll save the group. Good for you. Well done. Good leadership. So Dr. Smith, you guys are doing great now. And I walk those halls and see some of those kids and, and the teachers are all really involved and, and it's just a really fantastic experience. What's next for Mansfield Christian schools? What's on the horizon? What's good coming up that you're working on right now? Yeah, thanks. I am really thrilled obviously to be on the back end of those things. And I think mm -hmm. always helped us to moving through that. And now that we're there, we can do that. You know, we've always said, listen, even through those stages and we're there again, I think right now in the COVID-19 era, we're saying right now, listen, um, we have to come out on the other side of this better than when we went in because we didn't see this coming just like we didn't see the recession coming. So even during the recession and even those stressful months and years, we always said, listen, let's not just survive. Let's get better. How can we make this better than it was yesterday? As you know, organizations that succeed are always about continuous improvement. So no matter if you're a business right now or a school or a church or something like that, you have to be asking yourself and your leadership team, how do we get, what are we learning through this and how do we get better on the other side? So fortunately, even after the recession, we were able to say, hey, here's what we did. 
we didn't just pay the bills and rally the troops. We also, except that laid the ground floor for the STEM program. We were already thinking even back then, what new things can we add? We didn't have any money to add any things, but we just knew that we had to get better. And at some point it was going to break. And so let's not wait until the, all these doors open. Let's get on the doorstep with a plan. And so as soon as those things open, boom, we go. And those doors opened and boom, we were ready. And we walked through with the STEM program and some of those other things. And so we're happy about that. We also created probably the, the only one that I'm aware of uh, in the entire Midwest and um, is what's called a student discipleship plan. In other words, uh, we've created a plan on paper. And this is really what differentiates us from any other school is obviously we're a Christian school. So, you know, we want Christian kids from Christian families, and we want to disciple them to mature as Christians. And so we have a plan on paper that starts in pre-K and kindergarten that says to parents, listen, this is what we're going to do for the spiritual training. We're not just going to send them to Bible class and chapel and just hope they get it from being around Christians. We have a plan that's tied into all of our activities tied into the curriculum, tied into everything we do. It's age appropriate. It's developed with adolescent psychology in mind. What can they grasp at these stages? And then what do they need to know in terms of spiritual training as they mature as Christians from ages four, five, all the way through 18? So we're not winging it. You know, so if somebody says, hey, why would you send your child to a Christian school? You know, hey, we're Christians. Why would you? Well, let's talk through this plan. You can read it for yourself because this is how we're going to develop your child. And I've been contacted by Christian schools all over the Midwest. They want me to talk about this on uh, video. They want me to send them our plan because they're so desperate to have something like this because it's, it's innovative, it's unique. Um, and again, it's, it's really helps our customers say, oh, this is why I pay extra for your organization because this is what I value. How, uh, how exciting is that? And it's so much passion and pride and, and it's got me fired up. I bet some of our listeners are fired up too. If they needed to contact you for any information about your school, how would they do that? Yeah, thanks. I agree. Uh, you can tell I'm passionate about it as well. So thanks yeah. so much. Uh, obviously the phone number 419-756-5651 and extension 200 goes right to the central office. And of course the website www.mcsflames.com .org. We'll certainly provide a lot of information there, and we have a lot of resources that are specific to this time. Lots of scholarship opportunities. I think that's one thing people often miss out on is don't forget, even Christian schools at this level are much like colleges. We all have tuition assistance. We all have financial aid built into our budgets. Uh, we all have, you know, in Ohio, we have vouchers and scholarships, and there's lots of ways that families can get discounts. You know, we know that not every family can afford a private education, but we're designed to help. Uh, we, we are not just designed for families who can just write checks. That's not who we are at all. We're a very normal school ranging from all the socioeconomic statuses. So we want families to say, hey, give it a shot. You'd be surprised that I bet you you can get some financial aid or tuition assistance and we can work with your budget and we can make something work. And so we're happy to at least sit down and have that conversation. Yeah, it's worth a phone call and see if you're a fit and see if it's a fit for them and, and for you. And it's worth having that conversation because you can help out. So thank you so much, Dr. Smith. I can't thank you enough. This has been an amazing conversation. I uh, and congratulate you on success and your team 
on the grit that they showed getting through the hard times and all the hard times that are coming and all the success that is coming. So thank you very much for being a part of Dash of Grit. There are more episodes of Dash of Grit on dashofgrit.com. And a Dash of Grit is brought to you from all of us here at Spire. We're here to help local businesses and organizational leaders like you and like Dr. Smith grow. Spire offers marketing services, websites, and a whole team that can function as an extension of yours to help you and your team grow. Learn more about Spire at spiread.com. I'm Brian Lefelock. I'm on LinkedIn. Thank you to Dr. Cy Smith of Mansfield Christian Schools. This has been a dash of grit. It's an acquired taste. We'll see you next time.